What's up, friends? Before we hop into the show, I got to tell you about the delicious, smooth Strava Craft Coffee. Not only does it pack a delicious one-two punch of caffeine and delicious coffee and the CBD infusement, but if you use the magical code DNVR20, you'll get 20% off your first purchase, and it packs another one-two punch because if you've already used that magical code DNVR20 for 20% off, if you subscribe to Strava Craft Coffee, you'll receive 20% off every single purchase that you make of this delicious CBD-infused coffee. So make sure to check them out. It's not only delicious coffee, but it packs that CBD punch, which helps with aches, pains, migraines, headaches, anything that's going on with the body, it helps calm down, including those coffee jitters. So just, man, talk about one, two, punch. So make sure to check them out. Strava Craft Coffee, use that magical code DNVR20, and then subscribe, and you'll get 20% off every single time. All right, Mace, let's hop into the show. Welcome into the DNVR Broncos podcast on this terrific Tuesday. I'm your host, Zach Stevens, joined by my main man, Andrew Mason. Before we hop into the show, guys, got to tell you about MSU Denver Online. MSU Denver Online puts a dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning a degree and living your life. MSU Denver is the Colorado institution providing rigorous and affordable online programs taught by professors who bring the real world into the classroom. MSU Denver graduates use their relevant degrees to land coveted jobs, and we even have some people at DNVR taking classes at MSU Denver, and the two things they harp on is one, that they design this schedule to work around your life so that you can live a life and also go to school. And the second one is they design these classes to teach you what you need to know for once you graduate that you can just take off in the real world and you are prepared for that. So that's that's what you want from school, right? Something that's going to work around your schedule and also something that's going to teach you what you need to know after. So make sure to check them out at msudenver.edu slash online to see all they have to offer, including over 40 online and hybrid programs and 700 and 50 classes. So check them out, msudenver.edu slash online. Mace, my boy, what's up? How are you doing? I'm doing very well. I'm doing better than the Denver Broncos. <laughs> I have cause for concern about the state of the Broncos right now, about the state of the passing game. <laughs> and I know Vic Fangio does as well. We know this because he told us so. And by the way, he's concerned about a lot of things. Boy, the, the, last, uh, the last couple of minutes of that Zoom press conference yesterday, I feel like we're cutting right to Vic's core about him, about saying, almost, almost admitting, yeah, you're right about yep. the passing game. You're right about the special team. <laughs> yep, exactly. I felt like, I felt like, like he, when I, I asked him at the end about special teams to, to wrap it up because – and I, I got my question in late because it just hit me one I wanted to ask if, if no one else got to it. And that he, he seemed kind of resigned. I don't think he likes 
agreeing with the media, but uh, I think he was on some things yesterday. <laughs> oh, yeah. We, we broke him. We just chipped away, chipped away, and he kind of uh, – he spilled all the beans. In fact, Mace, yes. there's, you know, not much – to defend the passing game once the head coach comes out and says, I think as a team, we just need to fix our entire passing game. And he was teed up by that by just being asked about Drew Locke and what he needs to improve on. And yeah. Vic took it 10 steps further by including everyone on the offense. I should say 11 steps further because he also included coaches, all 10 players, and of course, Drew Locke as well. And mm. Mace, when you look at this, it's bad. It, it's really, really bad. And this is the harsh reality of the Broncos passing game right now. They're pretty much bottom 10, bottom five in the league in every single category. Uh, they have the second worst completion percentage as a team at 57%. They have the fourth fewest touchdowns through the year at six. They have the second most interceptions at 10. They have the seventh fewest passing yards per game at 209 and they have the third worst passer rating at an abysmal 68.1. Wow. Yikes. They that passer rating by the way for, as a team. You remember Peyton Manning's passer rating back in 2015 when he was injured and missed time and father time had caught up to him in a big way? What was it? I believe it was a 69.2, oh, 69.3, wow. something like that. So you're telling me you can win a Super Bowl with this passer rating? You can win a Super Bowl with that passer rating if you've got the <laughs> unparalleled football mind of Peyton Manning. And, oh, by the way, if you've got an incredible de defense. Or actually, my bad. I'm sorry. 67.9. So it's actually a little bit better. Correct myself. Wow. <laughs> I, th I think the 69.2 is, uh, is if you include the playoffs in that. Regular season, 67.9. But at the same time, think of what Pey like Peyton Manning could still do pre-snap, okay? And that's yeah. not what we're getting with uh, most of the Broncos quarterbacks so, so far this year. By the way, the other, the other thing that the stat that, that jumps out to me is the rate of first downs, as in how often do you move the chains when you go back to pass? It's one every three and a half pass plays. So imagine that you'd have to literally, you'd have to literally pass on four consecutive downs to assure yourself of a first down, and you're not going to go for on fourth downs. By the way, the only team that's worse than that, the New York Jets. Oh, and, and that's and that's another thing you talk about about first down rate. The only team that's worse is the Jets. Team passer rating. The only teams worse are the Patriots and Jets. Yikes. And, and Mace, in, yeah. in the stats that I said as well, the teams that the Broncos are surrounded by, there's kind of four teams. You have the Jets, you have the Giants, you have the Patriots, and then you also have the Chicago Bears sprinkled in there as well. Those, when you look at each situation, those are not teams that you want to be surrounded by. No! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if, oh boy, oh boy. I mean, you've got, you got Cam Newton... On, on his last – who appears to be on his last legs. You've got Daniel Jones who can't seem to hold on to a football with super glue. You've got Sam Darnold who isn't helping his, isn't helping his own cause at times but is, is certainly not good enough to elevate that collection of stumble bums that wear green in northern New Jersey to anything, to, to anything beyond – 
being historically bad. And then you have the Broncos. And, hey, the Broncos have beaten one of those one of those teams and getting it, it two of them because they beat the Patriots as well. And they beat the jets. <sighs> it is a sorry, sorry state in which the Broncos past defense finds itself. And, and what is interesting is that to me, when Vic Fangio talks about how it's on everybody, it's not just on the quarterback talking about the, the entire passing operation. I wonder if he's also implying that, it's on Pat Shermer. Yeah. Yeah. I absolutely think so. I absolutely think so. And, uh, and you know, he's not going to directly call out a coach, but that's a way to do it because he pointed to the players, all 11 players, including Mm -hmm. Drew Locke and as Pat Shermer, or he said the coaching staff as well. Uh So we know Vic doesn't have much to do with the offense. So that, I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. And Mace, with these numbers, and Vic did admit, you know, as the quarterback, he's going to be the, the central point of when things go wrong in the passing game, Drew Locke is going to be the one pointed at. So let's take a look at him first really quick, and uh, it's bad. It's, it's, it's really bad. J- just to be straight up with you guys about the numbers, Drew Locke, of, of 32 quarterbacks that qualify according to pro football reference, He has the second-worst QBR at 30.9. He has the worst passer rating at 63.6. He's only thrown for 169 yards per game, which for starting quarterbacks puts him right near the bottom as well. His completion percentage, I believe, is the worst in the league at 55.9. Of course, only one touchdown and four interceptions. That's not good. It's not good. And now the numbers don't tell the entire picture, of course. And Ryan would make the argument that, you know, if his receivers did their job in that Patriots game, that Drew would have had three touchdowns. And so let's, let's flip it. And let's say that Drew has three touchdowns in that game. And I'm not going to take away the two interceptions because he threw those. So those are staying on the board for me. Well, Mace, mm-hmm. now we're talking about four touchdowns, four interceptions. I mean, that doesn't jump out as, like, incredible. You're not saying that's – not, that's not flipping the script. Maybe he's below average instead of bottom of the league, but that's not even average in the NFL, a one touchdown to one interception ratio. And something that uh, I mentioned last week when we were dissecting Drew's numbers, if the Broncos had an average drop rate in that game, then they would have had two touchdowns. Right. Right, and so you'd still you'd still be sitting at three touchdowns, four picks. I think there's something though, if we dive deeper, that is more concerning here in terms of the overall pattern, mm. and that is if you take the first two games off and just focus on the last seven or really six plus uh, a brief cameo before he got hurt. Because how often have we talked about? hey, a quarterback can look good early, but once they get film on him, it's a question of how the team adjusts, how the quarterback adjusts, et cetera. So since those first two starts, here are Drew Locke's numbers. 117 completions, 203 attempts, so completion percentage of 57.6. 1,256 yards, that translates to 6.19 yards per attempt. Three touchdowns five interceptions, a passer rating of 70.6. And to take it a step further, if we go back over the last decade and compare him with other first and second year quarterbacks, Mm. 
that that got to at least nine starts. So this is this would be start three through start nine. That seventy point six rating puts him in the company of Brandon Whedon, who's right above him at seventy point seven. And Christian Ponder is right behind him at 70.5. I mean, the the thing that concerns me here, Zach, is what we've seen since that second start. We put it all together because the the larger sample size you can have, the more accurate evaluation you're going to have. That in terms, let's just, let's put the, let's put the line at say a rating of, of 70, of 75. Okay. 75 in your, in starts three through nine. Well, here are the quarterbacks that had a rating below 75 and starts three through nine in the last decade. Tim Tebow, Colt McCoy, Blake Bortles, Kyle Allen, Mason or Kyle Allen. Oh, Mason Rudolph only got to had six starts in that range, so let's rule him out. Brandon Whedon, Drew Locke, Christian Ponder, EJ Manuel, Jared Goff, Josh Rosen, Case, or Case Keenum, John Skelton, Sam Darnold, Blaine Gabbert, Josh Allen, Jimmy Clausen, and Deshaun Kaiser. Wow. A lot. In other words, it's not that you can't be a hit out of that, see Josh Allen. It's not that you can't have a a long career in some form or fashion, see Case Keenum. I mean, and and I would also say Jared Goff certainly qualifies as as a success, although it also shows the the, uh, Sean McVay effect on him. Right. Mason, but, that's, but, those are fantastic. I mean, those are, those are fant- that's a fantastic yeah. breakdown to show <laughs> that it doesn't mean that Drew can't overcome this. It just means that, I mean, how many names were there? Like 17, 20, 15, 20 on there? And yeah, you have um, two that you can say right now are a success. And I think a lot of people would even say that Jared Goff, you know, it would have questions on him. But, I mean, he got paid. He went to a Super Bowl. So, I would definitely put him in the success category as well. Sam Darnold. And he, yeah, he's playing people, well now. And, and yeah, Darnold's yeah, playing well now. So, or, or Goff is, sorry. Right, right. And, and Darnold, there's talent there. And Drew certainly has the talent. But that's, that's where Drew Locke is. And that's the harsh truth does that mean that you can't believe in him to turn it around? Absolutely not. It doesn't. I still have confidence. But what I think this means, Mace, is we are at the point where I think you and I, after the game uh, against KC this week, we both said, we're getting a little worried. We're getting a mm-hmm. little nervous. And I think these numbers back up the fact that it's okay to be nervous. Now, am I writing him off? There's no reason to write him off right now. You still have 10 more games to figure this out. You're not going to put Brett Rippon in to see if he's the truth for the rest of the season. You're not writing Drew Locke off. Absolutely not. But where he's at right now, simply put, we need to see more. And he needs to play better over a long period of time. And the great thing is, is the Broncos have 10 games to do that. Yeah. I mean, so sometimes, Zach, I think you and I have a like mind on this. And that is that we feel, we feel bad we feel concerned and we know there's a number to explain it right? or a stat or, or something, something that is quantifiable. Now, of course, again, does this, you know, you can say, Oh, if you, if he doesn't have the drops, it's a little bit better. Uh, it's, it's a little bit better, but it's not something that puts him in the, the success, the guaranteed success. And by the way, just to, just to kind of take it on the other side, when you look at the top, 
let, let me look at the at the top quarterbacks in this. Let's let's say let's just go for a rating of um, eighty of ninety or higher and starts three through nine. Okay. Okay. There are in in the past decade there are eight guys that did this in their first or second first and second year. Exactly where Drew is right now. Dak Prescott, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, Nick Foles, Mike Glennon, Baker Mayfield, and Kyler Murray. So you'd say Dak, Mahomes, Lamar, Deshaun, and I'd say Kyler right now look like yeah. hits. Yeah. Mayfield is trending in that direction. Nick Foles, inconsistent, but still won a Super Bowl. So really the only outright miss of those eight guys at the top in this metric is Mike Glennon. Wait, and Mace, really quick, can you remind me what that metric is again? Passer rating, 90 or better, starts three through nine in the last okay. decade. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So that, again, I mean, that tells you a lot. You're, you're really likely going to hit. Yeah, because at that point, you, you, you put some film on teams that start studying you, and, you've, and you've, made the, you've made the adjustment. Again, it's not that, it's not that Drew Locke can't get out of this, but – when you go for those sub-75 guys, that's 16 names that, in the end, that, that are out there that had, that had seven starts, that had seven, full seven starts in games three through nine. And the hits are, the clear hits are Jared Goff and Josh Allen. Case Keenum is kind of borderline. And then the jury's out on Sam, on, on Sam Darnold and now Drew Locke. And yeah. the rest are misses. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And, and that's, again, just the harsh truth of where it's at right now. Mace and I aren't saying that it can't be turned around, but that's just where it's at right now. But Mace, as Vic Fangio said, it's not just all on Drew. I think he admitted that, you know, uh, a lot of it's on Drew since he's the quarterback that passes the ball. But what I want to do really quick is go through the other 10 positions and just quickly say how much better that person can play specifically just in the passing game itself. So let's start with the offensive line. Let's start with, with right tackle and you know, everyone can play better, but just realistic expectations. When we talk about this, can DeMar Dotson play better in the pass game? Probably not. Yeah. The improve, I think if, you're right. if he shows improvement, it's going to have to be in the, in the run game. And I think the one thing you can say for DeMar Dotson is that, since he came into the lineup, he's been as advertised. Yep, yep, he's I totally he's agree. A court, pro football focus only credits to him with one sack allowed, and, uh, and, and he's in allowing two pressures a game. So yep. uh, he's, is he, is he, is he a, a superlative tackle? No, he, I mean, he, he, is who, he, he is who he is. He's not someone who's going to help in run blocking, but – the thing with DeMar Dotson is, for the, for the most part, now it's not without exceptions. There was that, you know, sack Sunday where he's, you know, he, he's just kind of standing there and the rush is coming in and he has nowhere to go. But that's all, and he has nowhere to turn. But that's also on Drew Locke as well. And that's, an, and that's another thing that is concerning is how many pressures you could, you could attribute to Drew Locke in that game. And that, and that, that was kind of an alarming number, not only from when you kind of went back and watched the film, but kind of confirmed by PFF, putting six pressures on Drew Locke. He had a little bit of struggles in terms of getting, of getting everybody in the right protection on Sunday. Yeah, and I mean, that, that's one of the categories where the Broncos aren't in the bottom five. Right. Sacks, they're in the bottom ten. They, they come in as the tenth most sack team. Of course, Drew wasn't in right. for all of those, but 
Um, j just putting that out there. So I agree. DeMar Dotson is playing as well in the past game as you could expect. Once they made that move from Elijah Wilkinson, that position improved a lot. And now let's just jump to the other side. Left tackle, because I think you'll probably agree with me, I don't think Garrett Bowles can play any better in the past game. He, he's been terrific, and he's just been getting better each and every week. According to Pro Football Focus, he just had his best game uh, mm -hmm. of, of the season, of a tremendous season already this past weekend. And so, Mace, what's so crazy is coming into this season, the two biggest question marks, to, in my mind at least, were left tackle and right tackle. And in the past game, at least, where the Broncos are struggling the most, they're, they're the ones playing the best right now. Garrett Bowles is not merely the best offensive lineman on this team right now. He's the best offensive player on this team. Yep, he is. I mean, 2020, can you believe that? <laughs> you could argue you could argue he is the best player on the Denver Broncos <laughs> at this moment, the entire wow. roster. Wow. Yes, you could. You could. Tip the cap. I mean, you know, we, we hear a lot about uh, turning the corner. Uh, and, you know, you can debate the validity of, of turning the corner and the references that have been made to that phrase in the last several days. Garrett Bowles really has turned a corner. That's what turning a corner looks like. Yep, yeah, absolutely. Now let's go into the interior offensive line. Let's start with Graham Glasgow. What do you think about uh, could he play better? He could play better. And yep. uh, it's, uh, it's fair to say to this point that um, he's – on a season-wide basis, been a bit of a disappointment. That being said, I think he's, play, he's played his best ball the last three games. So the one thing I'll say for Graham Glasgow is that he's definitely on the ascension. He's getting comfortable. I wonder, uh, looking back at that first month, how much of that was on the fact that he, he had a new center next. He had a new center next to him. He had Elijah Wilkinson next to him, and he was having to to cover up for those guys. I think that Graham Glasgow's play is actually a little bit of a manifestation of being more stable at right tackle with Demar Dotson. I like that. I like that. He can play better, but he's trending in the right direction. Left yes. guard Dalton Reisner. Uh, Dalton. I don't want to say he's regressed. I know. Um, our friend Tyler Columbus over on the fan who, who obviously watches the offensive line in great detail has used that word to describe Dalton Reisner. He, he played his best game against the Patriots before he got hurt. So I, I would almost say that on Sunday, his struggles a little bit, uh, you have to say, all right, he had the shoulder injury, so uh, he's going to have to fight through it. But yeah, there were some rough there there were some rough patches for uh, for Dalton Reisner in September and even in early into early October. The Jets game was certainly not the best game that he could have. So, you know, you expect more from Dalton Reisner. I thought we'd be talking about him pushing for the Pro Bowl this year, and it just hasn't happened. Yep, I totally agree. He can play better. And then at center, I think we can both agree Lloyd Cushenberry can play better as well. Now he's the one where you you knew knew it was there were going to be growing pains. So. Uh, I know he has not played well, but that's one that you could expect and you knew coming in. That's why you surrounded him with two really good players. Right. And uh, some of the, the other thing, like I said, with Graham Glasgow also holds true for Lloyd Cushenberry or for, or for Dalton Reisner with Cushenberry on one side, although he's got bowls on the other. Uh, again, it's kind of imperceptible, but Cushenberry in terms of pass pro has been steadier the last couple of games than he was early on in the season. So I'd like to see what we're saying about Lloyd Cushenberry in a month. 
yeah. because I, I he's is he playing well in terms of big picture standards? No, not yet. But he's getting better. He's especially getting better in pass pro. He's and he's getting better at helping to identify a gap rushes, and that's the key element of his job. So let's just sit back, let's wait and see, let's find out where he is in four weeks because because it's it looks to me like he stopped the bleeding. Yeah, and and that that's huge. Now let's move outside to tight end. And let's just stick with the starters here. So we're going to stick with Noah Fant. Mace, can he do better in the pass game? Uh, I'm not sure he can because he's open. The QB's not seeing him. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's the story of Noah Fant on Sunday beyond gutting through that ankle injury is that he's wide freaking open. And Drew's not looking in his direction. You got to take what you got to take when it's Noah Fant, especially who has such outstanding capability in yardage after the catch. I mean, Noah Fant open 10 yards beyond the line of scrimmage. Uh, to me, that's something you're taking all day, every day. Yep. And that is, and in Drew Locke's parlance, that's profit. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly. big profit. That's, it, that's it like is. investing in, that's like investing in Apple in 19, 97 and seeing where the stock goes <laughs> get it in his hands mason yes. i agree with you the numbers for noah Fant are fine they're, they're not amazing the numbers would would say that maybe he could do a little better but it's not his fault i mean when he was given the opportunity in the first couple of games of the season he took big time advantage of it and he just hasn't been given the ball as much as, as i would hope so i think he's he's pretty much there he just needs to be given more opportunity let's go further outside to the wide receivers and let's just stick with the ones that are out there right now tim patrick mace can he do any better no no he, he's 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 doing it yeah I mean, he's doing he's everything doing he's doing he's yep. he, he's been terrific now he's not all that Cortland sutton was as a deep threat and um right. it is fair to wonder what drew locks not data would look like if he had Cortland sutton yeah. Uh, for for the last few games at the same time, that's one of the reasons why I'm fo- I'm focusing on games three through nine because it does incorporate uh, four games with Cortland Sutton in there as well. So, but I don't think Tim Patrick can do any better, and and Tim Patrick has been nothing short of a revelation. I think we all underestimated him. I thought that you know, hey, Tim Patrick, this, he's a he's a solid receiver, but there are a lot of Tim Patrick out Tim Patrick's out there, but. Uh, I was wrong. I, I underestimated him, and I'm and I apologize for that. And he's somebody now that I think you start thinking about in terms of future planning, especially when you may not you may not be in the realm of paying Cortland Sutton with the younger receivers you have, but maybe you pay Tim Patrick. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Now on the other side, speaking of young receivers, Mace Jerry Judy can he be better? Mm. He can be better, yes, because he can avoid drop passes. Yep, I that's totally, the big. I totally agree. That's the, that's the big thing. Similar to Noah Fant, though, there are times when he's open and the QB isn't seeing him. But you also say, okay, what is in your hands, Jerry Judy? Yep. And unfortunately, in Week One, the ball was in his hands twice when he should have brought it in. Right. And if he if he gets that second drop to be a catch. We're probably talking about the Broncos being three and three despite all this right now. Yeah, exactly. You're 100% right. And Mace, we have to talk about the final position, 
as there's two starters because the Broncos insist that there's two starters. And I think these are pretty opposite answers with Philip Lindsay and <laughs> Noah Fant. Mace, can Philip Lindsay play any better in the passing game? Um, well, you have to really involve him in the passing game first. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's a, on the passing game itself, that's kind of an incomplete. Yeah. Yeah, actually, that's a, when I said that comment to, to lead up to this, I was thinking of the entire picture. But no, of course, we're just talking about the passing game. So yeah, I would say incomplete as well. Uh, and for Melvin Gordon, has he even got much more of an opportunity than Philip Lindsay in the passing game? I mean, he, he probably has more of an opportunity, but has he been even given a big opportunity? It's, it hasn't been the opportunity expected. Of course, Phil has one catch for 11 yards uh, to, the, to this point this season. Melvin Gordon so far this year, 13 catches, 57 yards, 4.4 yards of reception, and one terrible fumble. Yeah. Yep. Oh, man alive. It, because he had the, uh, you know, it, that, that fumble on Sunday came, of course, in the uh, – in the past game on a reception when he was getting up field. So, I mean, yeah, Melvin Gordon can do a lot better, but the other thing, I mean, that, that 4.4 yards per carry average, I mean, you're like, what? Right. Yeah. That that's bad. That is bad. So yeah, he can certainly yeah. do better. And Mace, after doing this, after running through the team, I feel like there's the guy, some guys are playing better than I thought. I mean, we had more hits in there than I was expecting going in. I honestly thought we were going to have one hit and that was Garrett Bowles, but we actually have many hits and I don't know if that's good or bad because it means that, you know, the, the players that are playing bad are playing pretty darn bad in, in some cases. Well, and that's where you start saying, okay, is this schematic? Uh, what are you asking Drew Locke to do? And is it beyond his capability right now? Um, yeah. And clearly what we're seeing on Drew Locke is first read, boom it, second and he's in second read sometimes there he's not getting beyond that so do you have to do some things that narrow the focus a little bit in other words you get him outside you get him rolling right and uh, that's obvious and he's a lot better rolling right than he is rolling to his left of course you narrow the field but is that something that he, where he can probably handle it a little bit better than dropping back and kind of focusing on the whole field right now? Do you have to kind of build a core competency and focus on what he does best and then kind of build out from that? And I think that's sort of what we're getting into here is that if you're talking about remaking things schematically, you're talking about plans that maybe protect him a little bit, kind of like, the ones that Rich Gangarello drew up last year. If you if you want to, if you want to maximize the moment, it may not be the best thing long term for his development because you want him to grow into somebody that who can get to the third and fourth read and can kind of see the whole field. But maybe you have to accept that this is where he is at this moment. Yeah, exactly, man. It's a great conversation, and it's good to to look at exactly where things stand. And, of course, we're going to be checking out more of Drew Locke this week and diving deeper with Justin Herbert coming to town in that conversation. And I can't wait for that game. And if you want to get in on the action on that game, there's no better place than DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. And, guys, they're just continuing to offer deal after deal and with a showdown and happy valley this weekend DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new users the chance to turn one dollar into one hundred dollars when placing a bet on either Ohio State or Penn State and additionally 
DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new users the chance to receive a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. On top of these great sign-up offers, DraftKings offers great odds boosts every Sunday to help you make it rain. DraftKings is safe, secure, reliable, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. So go to the App Store right now, download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now, and use promo code DNBR when you sign up to get this can't-miss offer. Pick either Penn State or Ohio State, bet $1 on them, and cash $100 if that team wins. That's $1 to win $100 when you use the promo code DNBR during sign-up. For a limited time only, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Bonus comprised of the first deposit bonus and the first bet match each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. You know, it's a good thing that Penn State isn't playing Wisconsin uh, this weekend because – or maybe, or it's maybe they'd want to play Wisconsin if they could play in the status quo. Did you know that Wisconsin right now is down to its fourth quarterback? Oh wow! Because no. of an injury and two and two positive COVID tests. Graham Mertz, who was the the talk of social media on Friday night, Graham Mertz tested positive for COVID, and they're just kind of confirming it. But then Jack Cohn was already injured, and now Mertz's backup is out. So, the, so holy smokes. I'm not sure that Wisconsin should be playing football this coming weekend. That's what I'm not. saying. And yeah. uh, but Penn State is scheduled against Ohio State Friday or on Saturday night, Halloween night. Mark your calendars. And uh, if you're going to sit back and you're going to watch a little college football on Saturday, you're at home. You're having uh, your home gate or whatever you're calling it. Breck Brew is the beer that you want to make for that home tailgate party. Of course, you've got their Broncos country hoppy hoppy ale right now but uh, also you can find Christmas ale I saw Christmas ale in my local grocery store a couple of days back and so if you're looking outside and you see the snow and it's putting you in a holiday mood even though Christmas is a little under two months off get a little Christmas ale to put you in the in the holiday spirit a little bit sooner of course, don't forget about the farmhouse if you're in the Denver area, their restaurant over at their brewery down off Santa Fe in Littleton. Make sure you use that magical code DNVR and save $5 off your meal. Call 303-803-1380 from noon to 8 p.m. for pickup. They'll bring your order out to your car for you. If you want to eat in, make sure you call 303-803-1380 and make a reservation. There's plenty of room. There's social distancing, but you want to make sure that you're set to go and take advantage of that, that great pub grub elevator that they've got over at the farmhouse. Don't forget about the 15-can sampler. You can get that through Drizzly if you just want it ordered or if you want it delivered right to you. And wherever you are around the nation, if you want some Breck Brews, check out the Breck Beer Locator at breckbrew.com, and you can find out where to get that Colorado Core, Strawberry Sky, Avalanche Beer, etc. all those flavors. You can find plenty of them around the nation thanks to the distribution process. Like I said, I've had Breck Beers in Buffalo. I've had them in Pittsburgh. I've had them in Wisconsin. Um, couple of weeks from now, maybe having one down in the deep south in Atlanta while we wait for Broncos Falcons. Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DMVR. Mm, man, that sounds good. Mace, before we hop into the comment section, just want to tell you where you can leave your comment. Go to thednvr.com. Go to the podcast tab at the very top. Click on the Broncos podcast. Then it'll pop up. All of our hundreds of podcasts will pop up. But the very first one on top, Click on that one. That's the most recent podcast we posted. Click on it, scroll to the bottom, and a comment section will magically appear. Now, you do have to be a subscriber and part of our family for that to appear. But then once that appears, 
then you can just type your comment and it will be read on the next day's pod outside of Friday's pod where we don't read the comments on Friday's pod because of the game coming in over the weekend. And one also reminder as well, please guys, since we're getting so many comments now, please just, just shorten up your comments so we can make sure to get to every single comment because we want to hear from all of you. So just, just leave us your comment and, uh, and we'll get to them. All right, first one coming in from VR, though. Being a football quarterback is an odd job. Imagine judging a 23-year-old as hard as some fans do, Drew, in any other profession. When you combine this scrutiny with it being the most difficult position in sports, I think, it will give, I, think I will give Locke some more time. Thank you guys for the coverage. It is second to none. Well, thank you. Yeah, and, and I understand. Muted! <laughs> Again, I was literally unmuting myself when you yelled muted. But... <laughs> hey, I took uh, it easy on you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and may, yeah, should people take it e- a little bit easier on Drew Locke? Yes and no. I mean, I understand where you're coming from, the VR, though. And he definitely should get more time. And you know what? Barring injury, he will get more time. But that more time is realistically the rest of the season. Right. Like we like I said yesterday, he's got 10 games, and then you can go in one of three directions. He's the guy. It's all about him going forward. He's not the guy you're drafting or more likely trading for or signing somebody uh, who's a veteran. Or the middle ground, and that's where you're, you're doing the, the, the Titans, Ryan Tannehill plan, and you're bringing in somebody who – is a bit of a reclamation project to at least be the backup and push. Yep, exactly. All right, next one coming in from Broncos Squared. Hey, gang, I concur with Ryan from yesterday. Shermer can do a better job giving Locke easy looks and seeing some completed balls. I cringe most times when they go deep because the offense just hasn't showed itself to be effective enough there. Aside from Tim Patrick, I'm dying to see Judy take over a game and announce himself to the NFL and build chemistry with Drew. Is he not being schemed enough, or did the Chiefs cover him like the Pats did? Were Phil and Melvin even on the field at the same time? Anyway, let's chill about Locke and rejoice in Cam Newton's sad face. It's so easy to tell when he is completely dejected, and I love it. You're doing great work, you beautiful people, especially the tailgate show. Holy heck, I love that on Sunday mornings. You know, I feel like I'm the only person in the Broncos orbit, fan or otherwise, who doesn't completely celebrate in Cam struggling. I mean, they the, clearly the Broncos broke him, but I I I don't get I don't take any pleasure in that. Uh, I'm, maybe I, I mean everyone's going to disagree with me here. I kind of wanted to see Bill Belichick and Cam Newton succeed together. I, I did as well. Now at least succeed to an extent, I should say. Yeah, I, I, yeah, because I, I like watching Cam Newton in a vacuum. I mean, the Broncos have owned him, and it's likely that ownership will remain uh, permanent because. I feel like, sadly, we are seeing the end of Cam Newton here uh-huh. in year 10 and because the body just can't handle it. He's, he's throwing the way he did the last couple of years in Carolina. Yeah. And it, unfortunately, as great as Cam was winning an MVP, I think some of his career is going to be a little bit of a cautionary tale. And that's why you watch, for example, Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray, and you're seeing them slide. And you see them run to the sidelines and they run away from contact. And Lamar Jackson runs away from contact, run, you know, gets down, doesn't yeah. take those hits. And the lesson we learn from Cam Newton in the evolution of the quarterback position is that 
mobility is great. It's awesome to have that element, but you've got to run away from contact. You can't take those hits. You, you can't take those hits. Even if you're a bigger quarterback, you've got to find a way to escape, just get the yardage, and then go on to the next play. Don't yeah. expose yourself to unnecessary hits because over time they're going to accumulate. And I think that's why we're talking about Cam Newton being banged up and uh, not having it physically once again. Yeah. Not exposing yourself is always good advice, yeah. Mace. I totally agree yeah. with that. And I feel like we can, and, I, and in, in terms of the comment, part of the comment about uh, scheming, about scheming locks a little bit and giving him some easy looks. I think we kind of, we, we touched on that. It's something that Pat Shermer needs to do. Yep, without a doubt. T Meeks says, is Broncos land the most unforgiving fan base in the NFL? It just sure seems like it the last four years. Oh, this is every market with quarterback <laughs> troubles. I mean, this is, this is Tampa as well. It's, it's, it's Carolina when Jake DeLone was struggling. It's, it's, it's every market that doesn't have the guy. Right. I, I mean, I, I, I hate to say this because I know Broncos country kind of prides itself on uniqueness one way or the other, <laughs> but every, mar- every market that has quarterback frustration is like this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough when you don't have yeah. a quarterback. Yeah. Bronco Terp says, it's interesting to hear Mace talk about Locke's issues from Missouri carry over to the pros. It's a great perspective to have and one that concerns me. Mace has it right. If those things don't get cleaned up and he continues to revert back to his bad habits, it could spell trouble down the line. It's like a golfer who works forever to correct his slice and then gets frustrated after a bad putt winds up shanking the next drive. I would hope Shermer, like a good caddy, is in his ear mid-game to reinforce these things. Great point. He goes on and says, two things I will say to that, though. It's still so early in his pro career, and these are exactly the bumps in the road he needs to take to get better. You can always get away with some of those things in college, but not in the pros. It's good that they are being exposed, so there is more of a sense of urgency to correct them now. If this was year three or or start 20, I would be far more concerned than I am after its eighth start. Let's not make Sunday's game erase the solid performance of the past, like the one not even 10 days ago versus New England. Sadly, or secondly, I think of Garrett Bowles and his progression from an absolute liability to make the to maybe the best offensive lineman on the team. The improvement is remarkable and should force Broncos country to take a page out of Aaron Rodgers' playbook and R-E-L-A-X. Sorry for the long post, post boys. I'll hang up and listen. Yeah. I, I think Drew Locke also has to R-E-L-A-X too, but I think part of that is going to be schematic and making sure that uh, – if it if it means that there are fewer options or a, a more narrow area of the field, fine. I think you can provide some things schematically that narrow the field and narrow his range of vision, but give him options, maybe at three or four levels downfield. Say, okay, he's rolling right, so you've kind of cut off a good chunk of the field, but you've got a short, you've got a short option, you got an intermediate option, and you have a deep option, and you then you kind of take what's there, and if. None of them are there. You get to the sideline for a two-yard scramble, you go on to the next play. Here's the great thing, Mace, is we still do have 10 more games for Drew to show us if he's the truth or not. Here's the bad thing. This patience that's being pushed by some people, and and I get it. I I have a 10-game patience now. But the patience of, you know, potentially Garrett Bowles and getting three or four years to show yourself, Drew's not getting that. So we do need to see it more often, more consistent starting very very soon you know he can't wait till the last two games of the season to turn it on yeah and uh let's just say this let's say he's in between 
and you're and you're upgrading the number two quarterback position. I mean, maybe you're trading for Sam Darnold. Maybe you're signing Jameis Winston on the open market. Uh, yeah, that means people are going to chatter and that there's going to be some pressure. And if things go wrong, people are going to be clamoring for the backup because that is a tale as old as time in terms of how fan bases handle quarterbacks. But my counter to that is this. If your quarterback can't handle that, then you've learned something about him that makes you question whether he's the guy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's part of the evaluation, too. Yep, it certainly is. Hey, Duke Abides? Abides? The Duke Abides. Oh, the Duke Abides? It's based on, it's based on the Dude Abides uh, in The Big Lebowski. Oh, okay. There we go. Yeah. He says there's nothing worse than unvictory Monday, especially one that follows a beatdown from a division rival that was at least in part due to self implosion. Fire, bench, cut, hold somebody accountable. Heads must roll. Okay, now that we are on to more sober reflection Tuesday, we should remember that the Drew Lock evaluation is a season long project. Don't get high or too low based on one game, even or even a few games. We are committed for the season. Let's play it out. Totally agree. Seriously, though. Even on Sober Tuesday, the one coach who does need to go is Tom McMahon. He is as bad as Brock Olivo, and it's not nearly as funny. It's not just the return touchdown either. Belichick had the guys coming out from six and seven yards deep of the end zone on kickoffs, which tells you that they thought our, what they thought of our kick coverage. Meanwhile, we are getting the ball on the five and not making the 20 on kickoffs. I have a hard time believing this is a talent disparity issue and not a scheme coaching issue. Feel free to correct me if I'm wrong here. Well, I will turn this question over to Mr. Special Teams expert himself, Andrew Mason. All right. Um, Well, it's interesting to look back. In the last five years, it's never been harder to return a kickoff in the last quarter century than it is right now. You have to go back to the early 90s for a multi-year period where kickoff returns were at such a low for touchdowns were at such a low rate well the broncos get this sack and this is honestly why this is part of why i say tom mcmahon did not start this fire in the words of to borrow a lyric from billy joel but he's he's not fighting it right now did you know that the broncos since super bowl 50 have given up three more touchdowns on kickoff and punt returns than the next closest team. Yikes. Wow. Seven return touchdowns allowed since 2016. Wow. That's not good. Yeah, and obviously it's accumulating here. We now have – we had the punt return that Detroit had late last year for a touchdown. Of course, another punt return uh, that the Chargers had back in week five of last year. I believe that was Desmond King and that – or. And then you have the kickoff return on Sunday. On Sunday, the Broncos—they've allowed more touchdowns on on kickoff slash punt returns since Tom and since 2018, since Tom McMahon took the job, than and anybody else. No, nobody has more than the Broncos do. This is, oh boy, it—it's a concern. It's not getting any better. But the one thing that I will say is this. Special teams issues are, are often a result of back of the roster issues because yeah. you don't, if you, if your depth isn't as good, then you are, then you're putting guys out there who aren't the equal of the ones they're going up against. 
And this year, it's exacerbated by the, all the injuries that, you, that you've had. I mean, you look at that kickoff return on, su- on, on Sunday, and watch how, first of all, everybody to Byron Pringle's right is blocked perfectly by the Chiefs. I mean, there's a wall to his right. So all he has to do is make the right decisions cutting to his, his left. Jeremy Cox is buried. Nigel, and Nigel Bradham gets free of his man, but Pringle gets past him. Actually, Pringle kind of goes in between Nigel Bradham and, uh, and let's see, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't Duke Dawson because Duke Dawson was the guy who just uh, was, was out of Tyree Cleveland. So it's, Bradham, it's, it's Pringle between Tyree Cleveland and Nigel Bradham, and then Duke Dawson's just kind of caught up. The point is, I'm saying Tyree Cleveland, Nigel Bradham, Jeremy Cox, two guys that you did that weren't on the that, that weren't on the team uh, at the, on the on the or on the active roster at the start of the year. And Nigel Bradham was just was just kicked up to pro- provide depth, and then Tyree Cleveland is somebody that you didn't expect to make the roster. You've got a lot of young guys, and they're being asked to they're they're being asked to to do things that maybe they haven't done in the past. And so, I, I get the frustration with Tom McMahon, but he's not dealing with a stacked deck right now. Yeah. And, and that's fair. Now, if this does keep up, I do think he will be gone after the season, but I think it, it's yeah. fair to point that it's not just on all, all, all on Tom McMahon. Mace. Yeah. I, I think he, he definitely will be a scapegoat if this doesn't turn around, but I don't think it's all on him. Yeah. World of suck. Are the Broncos back in the world of suck? <laughs> My comment didn't make it in time yesterday. So here's reposting in the past two seasons, the Broncos are four and 10 without Drew Locke. They are 5-3 and three with Drew Locke in at QB from start to finish. With all three losses coming against the Chiefs and Titans, they're 5-0 and oh with Drew Locke against opponents that did not play in a conference championship last year. So given the fact that Drew Locke's Broncos have not yet lost to a non-elite opponent, the next four games looking quite appealing. Let's give the guys some patience and see if Locke can establish a rhythm over the next four weeks. I bet he does. And at some point, this team will have to start challenging the elite teams if we want to be successful. And Locke will have to show up when the challenge is most daunting. We're just not there yet. Hopefully with time. We'll get there. Well, these next four weeks seem appealing, World of Suck. I agree with that. I think they're also a huge test. How does Drew and the offense look against average teams? Uh, and so I think that that's a great point. These next four weeks aren't just appealing, but they're a huge part of the test. Next one coming in from Hip Hip Uray. Greetings, gents. After listening to the pod, I do feel like Broncos country has put many unrealistic expectations on this team over the years. We have been spoiled by Peyton Manning and have never recovered from Super Bowl 50 hangover. I do think the fan base hungers for those days once again, and that is expected. Once you reach the top of the mountain, that feeling of euphoria becomes addicting. However, I do want to point out something. The front office has been fueling us with this narrative for the last five years of just being one piece away nearly every year. And since the front office believed in it so vehemently, we place these expectations on our coaching staff, the draft picks and personnel from the team. Unfortunately, I think this has reared its ugly head because finally, when the front office acknowledged that we needed to temper expectations, but then the fan base says, no, we need to win. It's like, what do you expect? We have been told for so long that we are getting to getting to the promised land and we see glimpses of what it could be. Then it just doesn't come to fruition with a win win against elite talent and get frustrated. At what point is the fan base that needs to hold the franchise accountable? And what point is it that we need to chill out and enjoy the process? Thanks for all you guys do. Go Iceman account, DNVR and Broncos. I think you make some great points there. You make some great points as well, but uh, as for holding the franchise accountable, part of it is, in recent years, 
I don't feel like they understood the medicine that they had to accept the medicine and accept a rebuild. And that's why, and thus you had Band-Aids, you had Case Keenum, you had Joe Flacco. Um, because of that, you have to hold the franchise Campbell right now. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and think about this. And I had this conversation yesterday on the radio, uh, with my friend, Eric Goodman. Um, what would, what would Pat Bowen do if he were here? Mike Shanahan got fired for less than this. And Mike Shanahan, right. Pat said, hey, he's my coach for life. They were close friends. They yeah. were in lockstep. And the team went 24 and 24 over three years, and he fired Mike. So what would Pat Bowen's reaction have been to 18 and 30 over three years? <laughs> It's a great question. I, I think the answer may be pretty obvious. Yeah. And, and I think part of the fan expectation comes from Pat Bowen not accepting mediocrity, comes from the mantra of wanting to be number one in everything. Right. Yeah. Now, yeah. So I, I – I I can't blame the fa- I can't blame fans for being frustrated and, and because and again because they didn't say okay we're rebuilding we're just going to tear it down we're going to take our lumps and we're going to build it back up and we're going to build with with the, with a young core and get this thing right because of that because you kind of you were trying to kind of ring one more and say okay if we do this this and this we still have all these guys on defense and we can be right back there contending for the Super Bowl because of that yeah I think. You have to hold the franchise accountable. Yeah, totally agree. Next one from Bronco Duck. Gentlemen, let's give Drew at least 16 starts before giving an in or out assessment. We're dealing with a ton of key injuries, a COVID offseason, and a new Shermer offense. The offense with Drew gives me more confidence than I've had since Manning. At least that's what my eye test tells me. Let's take the long view, pump the brakes, and see where this man takes us. On to the Chargers. I have a good feeling about this week against Herbie. Our defensive line will give him trouble in the middle. Have you guys seen anything from the Chargers secondary that will give Locke issues? And what's interesting about this comment coming in from Bronco Duck is the Duck part is he's an Oregon guy, so he knows Justin Herbert very well, and he thinks the Broncos are going to be able to have their way with him. Although taking Mike Purcell out of that equation hurts. Yeah, it does. It does. Um, Terrible to hear that he'll be done for the year. And he was more he was more involved in the pass game. I mean, he wasn't just a you know a first down base package guy. They were they were using him to occupy blockers and free up free up other people. So that's that's a tremendous blow. And the Broncos unfortunately don't have an apples to apples replacement at nose tackle right. for for Mike Purcell. And so uh, that's that's going to affect that. I do think they can generate some pressure. As for the, anything from the Chargers, you're catching a break, not having to play them uh, with Chris Harris Jr., but I do expect I, I do expect them to try to confuse Drew Locke, and I think that's something that uh, Drew's going to have to, to, to grow past if they keep wanting to kind of see the broad spectrum of the field. I would expect to see more kind of Russian cover combinations like the one that led to the pick six on Sunday, uh, where Drew kind of stared down, you know, stared down Noah Fant on, under the rush and had one direction he was going in, and it was read perfectly by Swanson. So, I I think you're going to see more of that until the Broncos figure until the Broncos and Drew Locke figure this out. Sort of like we saw Trevor Simeon three years ago seeing a bunch of cover two 
until he could figure it out, or ultimately he couldn't. And Melvin Ingram is back for this game, so it's going yeah. to be a lot more difficult for Drew Locke to escape outside of the pocket on the outsides this week. And, and let me ask you this, Zach, because you pointed out the lack of points uh, the Broncos have put up in Drew Locke's start. So what does your eye test tell you when the overall data for the offense and its production as you've mentioned, it's clearly it isn't there because they're still muddling around in the teams in terms of points per game. The eye test has concerned me this year. Just straight up the eye test has not been very kind to Drew. Yes, he can make some wow throws, but we've seen one or two a game. We haven't seen you know one or two a drive. The, the throw that he had to Tim Patrick on their touchdown drive this week was great. That was the only one where you're like, wow, that was a great throw. And it was a great catch by Tim Patrick, too. So the eye test just – it hasn't dazzled me yet. And the thing with that is that's where the arm talent can bail him out because he isn't exactly set when he makes that throw. The arm talent means that he can do things off balance. But the bottom line is if you want to be as accurate as you need to be in the NFL, you've got to be settled and you've got to be stepping into your throws. And – uh, I, I was just sitting there, and I'm just marking down, you know, back foot, back foot, didn't step in. Mm. And it's, yeah. it's, really, it's really concerning. Bangkok Bronco. Hey, gents, fire Tom McMahon. That is all BB out. And then he follows up. <laughs> I made that comment about Tom McMahon as I was listening to Monday's pod only a few minutes before you guys basically said the same thing. Great minds and all of that, BB out. Yeah, well, you've already talked about it on this pod, too, a hot topic in Broncos country. Uh, we'll, see, we'll see at the end of the season if and when that move is made. Mace, before we go any further, got to tell you guys about my favorite app. That's WGT Golf. It's not only the most popular golf game in the world, but it's also the official gaming partner of DNVR and my favorite game this past decade what i love about wgt golf is it's so realistic and you get to play real courses you get to play pebble beach you get to play st andrews and i also love that you can spend five minutes on it if you have five minutes free or you can spend three hours on it anywhere you are because you can just play on your phone so how do you play wgt golf go to dnvrgolf.com to download wgt golf we ask that you go to dnvrgolf.com because that lets wgt know that you want to play with us download the free app then go into the clubhouse section once you've downloaded the app and search for DNVR3. That's DNVR in capitals, the number three next to it, to join our series of clubhouses. And that'll get you access to all of the tournaments that we have every weekend. And the majors, which have some major prizes as well. We got one coming up soon, I believe. So make sure to get in there and start practicing now. That's WGT Golf. Go to DNVRGolf.com to download it. Our friends over at Green Mountain Dental Group want to tell you about them, and I'm sure they'd be proud of me because I flossed today. And I <laughs> flossed last night. I floss three times a day. I use, I use a Sonicare toothbrush, and it promotes good brushing habits because it tells you, make sure it tells you how much time you're spending uh, on each area of your mouth. You should be brushing your teeth for two minutes. Sonicare toothbrush will help you do that. It'll be, help you have good brushing habits. And guess what? You get a free Sonicare toothbrush when you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam with our friends over at Green Mountain Dental Group in Lakewood, the best damn family-owned dentist in the metro area. And they love the Colorado teams just like you do. If you go to Green Mountain Dental, make sure you tag us and them. Show them how this community at DMVR can support our biggest supporters 
They're a longtime partner, longtime friends of DMVR. Show, they show us love. Show them some love. They're only 15 minutes from downtown Denver, conveniently located for anybody in the metro area. And, of course, they always want you to know that the first step to good health is by taking care of your mouth. So check out Green Mountain Dental Group in Lakewood, the best damn family-owned dentist in the Denver area. Yes, they certainly are. May speed round of questions, less than a minute per question before we got to go talk to some Broncos. First one coming in from Broncology. I think Melvin Gordon needs to focus a little more on not fumbling. Focus a little more on focus. Wow. I'm a member of of a few Broncos groups, and the sentiment on Drew Locke is the same everywhere. The need for instant gratification in all aspects of life is maddening. If he doesn't throw for 300 yards every game and three touchdowns, he's trash. As Ryan says, all conversations – require nuance what was lock play bad on sunday absolutely however the loss doesn't fall squarely on his feet plenty of blame to go around it seems the fans here at dnvr are a lot more patient than everywhere else i expect that lock will play better and show progress which is all we need to see i expect broncos will be sitting at five and five in four weeks great work as always you guys broncology well hopefully he will show that progress but i do think that uh the way lock is being perceived right now is in the light of how well Justin Herbert has played since becoming the Chargers starter. And also, uh, even to another degree, looking at Joe Burrow in Cincinnati. Because that's a case where they don't have a supporting cast. <laughs> yeah, it's and true. He's put up some big numbers. And he's getting pummeled. Elite quarterbacks do yeah. that. And elite quarterbacks, <laughs> what we're seeing in Justin Herbert, who's certainly on a way to trend toward an elite quarterback is yeah he is putting up 300 yards and three touchdowns every game he's done one or the other and every single one of his games Mace. how wild is that and it just brings me back to something I'm going to be talking about a lot this week Drew Locke has had a good start to his career and you mentioned this a couple weeks ago when we had this conversation Justin Herbert has had an outstanding amazing start to his career yeah he he is actually at the level where it's not a guarantee of success, but if he fails, he's the aberration. Right, right. Given exactly. how he's played early on in, in his career. Aaron Ray, what's going on, my G's? After listening to RK read my comment yesterday, I may have been a little hard on Melvin Gordon, LOL. After all, he is still a Bronco, so my apologies to Brody. I'll show him just chalk it up to a bad game. Also, after looking at the McManus kickoff again, you guys were right. It was not his fault. My anger got the best of me. It was just an ugly game with the exception of the defense. Question. I went to LA's equivalent to the green solution in Denver, so I might be a little higher on the team than I should be at the moment. But after looking at the rest of the schedule, I can find seven to eight wins in there somewhere. With how our defense is playing, are you guys able to find seven to eight wins on the remaining schedule? Or am I just tripping? Other than the Saints and Chiefs, they seem like winnable games in my eyes. P.S. Vaughn, Cortland, Casey, and now Purcell. Wow. Appreciate y'all. Stay blessed. Yeah, such a bummer about Purcell. And to be honest, Aaron, the Broncos opponents, uh, the Broncos opponents that they've lost to are a combined 22-4. and four. So we know that the Broncos can't beat the elite teams in the league. The Broncos, uh, the teams that they've beat, are combined two and seven. So we know they're not the bottom of the barrel. We don't know how good they are, Mace, against average teams. And so I think I'll be able to answer this question a lot better after this week when the Broncos play an an average team, you know, maybe slightly below average team, but the way Justin Herbert's playing, I I feel comfortable saying that the the Chargers are an average team. So I'll be able to answer your question and see if we can get seven or eight wins out of this Broncos team after this weekend's game. And to kind of go back to the whole thing of, uh, starts three through nine for Drew Locke. So let's start from the Chiefs game. 
last year in week 15 and include that in with the six games that we've seen this year, including, of course, the games with Jeff Driscoll and, uh, and Brett Rippon. We've seen this team can beat bad teams, and Detroit last year was a bad team. Yes. That, all, that sample size also gives you one game against an average team, and that's the Raiders. And that came down to a last-minute two-point conversion deflection to win. Yeah. And if you even go kind of earlier, you'd have the, the Texans game, which kind of feels like a little bit of an outlier. But then also the Chargers were a little bit below average, and that thing went down to the wire. So I think my guess is that against those middle-cluster middle, tier, middle cluster teams, you're hoping the Broncos are a bit above 500. But if I'm kind of doing the math right now on the schedule, in my mind – I'm thinking you lose to the Saints and the Chiefs, and then you probably lose to the the Bills. Although they may they may not be the Wunderkinds that everyone the Wunderkinds everyone thought they were, and then you're going 500 or right around that that range against the rest of them. And unfortunately, what that means, Zach, is you're probably talking about six and ten, seven and nine again. Right. Yep. Yep. I think you're right. Sorry. Dan Burke says, hey, guys, I know we always take PFF with a huge grain of salt, but did y'all see they had Bowles as the, as the graded, as the highest graded tackle in the NFL and the second highest graded lineman overall? Just rewatching the game, he completely shut down Frank Clark when Clark was lined up against him. I know there's some worry that Bowles' performance could be a fluke, but if you compare it to his performance against Clark last year, there's definitely visible improvement there. And his run blocking was on point against KC, too. Speaking of run blocking, I've been pleasantly surprised at how well Albert Okuwebunam has been showing up as a run blocker. I remember seeing him do the sled drills with the combine, and he was easily the worst blocker among all of the tight ends there. If Albert can prove to be a consistent blocker, do you think Sherman will be willing to run two more or more two tight end sets instead of the constant three wide? Hope so. He's got to improve in pass pro, though. Yeah, he, he does, and, and I think this is something that Vic Fangio may tell Pat Shermer to uh, incorporate mm-hmm. more because three wide receiver sets is not working, as Vic yeah. pointed out yesterday. Uh, tight end is your deepest position on the roster right now. Yep. Use them. Next, Use them as much as you can. Next one coming in from, I was told too many – I was told – I was – okay, I'm going to start over. Next one coming <laughs> in from, I was today many days old when I realized his name is Eric Bienemy and not Eric the Enemy. <laughs> That's a good name. First, how much good will a good lock lock if a good lock could lock good? Wow. Probably a good lock is what I would Mm -hmm. say. Second, when I heard the Mike Purcell news, my first reaction without thought was happiness. I imagine how different that dude's life would have been if he hadn't inked that deal a few weeks ago. Crazy. Mm -hmm. Third, for Mr. Bird. Fourth, Andrew Mason is a gif, and believe it or not, it's not a gif of him saying, but at the same time. Or, uh, I guess I'll (laughs) let you say these, Mace. But at the same time. Or. In the parlance of. Or. Screw this. <laughs> Fourth, I have a feeling that Denver defense is going to take out a fair bit of anger on the Los Angeles Chargers, and I'm here for it. So, who gets the Broncos' first sack of Herbert and interception of Herbert? Sack, Chubb, interception, Ojemudie. Yeah, I'm going to go uh, sack Malik Reed. He's the best sacker that the Broncos have right now. And interception, I'll go Bryce Callahan. I, he's been sticky, man. I've liked what I've seen from him. Good choices. H-Town Bronco. I will love and root for the Broncos till I die and will root for no one else. And yes, Drew Locke is better than anything we've had since Manning. 
but I'm losing respect for this team by the day. Five decades of respect and winning seasons going down the toilet. We just continue to make bad decision after bad decision. Letting Bosby walk when he's looking better than creaming Justin out there is just plain stupid. They should have cut Bass. No one was going to scoop him. He can't even defend it anymore. This is just a bad football team that's poorly run. And I know you're going to say, well, we're better run than the Jets. Yeah, is that really something to brag about? We still suck. Look at all the good teams around the league and then look at the Broncos. Yep, speaks for itself. Devontae Bosby, man, Mace, I, I don't get it. A lot of people have asked me about it. And it just comes down to I don't think they liked what they saw behind the scenes just week after week. It, it has to be that because the play was there. Right, and I think the other thing is he plays a little bit different than other, the, the other defensive backs. He's more aggressive and uh, takes some chances. I, I, I think taking the chance on that uh, potential pick six against New England and then getting burnt, it feels like that was a straw that broke a camel's back, perhaps. But uh, it's, frust- it, it's frustrating to see. That being said, I'm not going to say he was playing better than Kareem Jackson and Justin Simmons. <laughs> I think that's uh, – I, I get where you're coming from, H-Town Bronco, but I think that's a stretch. Yeah, you're not crazy to say he's playing better than Bassey. So you, you, you can do yeah. that and make your point as well. Broncos super fan. Give Drew Locke the rest of the season to see if he is the guy. Garrett Bowles is proving us all wrong this year. If he is not, please do not get a Big Ten quarterback outside of Brady, Breeze, and Wilson. Who is the best Big Ten quarterback in the NFL in the last 30 years? Jim Harbaugh? Brian Greasy? Gary Collins? All Michigan. Ohio State at quarterback has never been the answer in the NFL. Maybe I'll be proven wrong next year, but I'm not currently sold on the Big 12. But you could say that about every conference if you take off the top three guys like that. I mean... (laughs) Come on. I mean, oh, you know, so you're going to take the SEC, but uh, hey, oh, well, no, no, no. We're not going to count Peyton Manning in that equation. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's fair. That's fair. I'm, I'm sorry. Like, uh, I, I get where you're coming from, but I'm like, no, you can't, it, it doesn't work that way. No. Unless yeah. you're going to, unless, I mean, if you take those, those top quarterbacks off for every conference, I mean, you're taking. You're taking the, all the good, all the great quarterbacks off. <laughs> and he does correct oh. himself, but says, my mistake. Oh, but not that, Mace. He says, Kerry Collins went to Penn State, not Michigan. Yeah. <laughs> so point exactly. still stands for Mace. Uh, yeah, I mean, I admit you're probably, uh, you're probably not taking a, a quarterback from like uh, Nebraska, but I would, advise every, I would advise this. Do not get too hung up on schools when it comes to quarterbacks. I think, for example, I think people are using the struggles of quarterbacks from Ohio State against Justin Fields. I don't think that's fair to him. Yeah, yeah. He's got, I, because I think, he's, got, he's got the most talent. He's on another level. There's a reason it, why he's going to go probably in the top three picks this year. Mace, if you do that, if you say we are never drafting blah, blah, blah from yeah. you know, a certain position, from right. a certain school or conference – I guarantee you, you will miss out on good players. Now, you may also help yourself by not drafting a bad player, but it's, it's silly to do that. That's what I, you know, I, I always said about Alabama. If you're not going to draft Alabama players, which John Owe is not doing anymore, so credit to him, but when he didn't do it for 10 years, you are missing out on good players. Now, sure, did you save yourself from Urban Foster? Yes, you did, but you also missed out on a heck of a, a, heck of a lot of good players. I mean, imagine if... You hadn't draft if you, you looked at Patrick Mahomes and said, "Well, Texas Tech, uh, you know, B.J. Simmons, Cliff Kingsbury, Billy Joe Tolliver. I'm not picking a Texas Tech quarterback." 
<laughs> right, right. <laughs> I mean, you could do you could do that with almost. I mean, uh, let, let's just let's take for example, go with Wisconsin, okay? Because uh, because you did mention Russell Wilson coming uh, from out, out out of Wisconsin, and of course he was at NC State before then. We and NC State actually might be the thing that you think about with him because NC State also gave us Philip Rivers, but. Imagine if you'd gone into the draft process and looked at Russell Wilson and you'd eliminated him because some of the previous quarterbacks from Wisconsin included Jim Sorge, Brooks Bollinger, and Randy Wright. <laughs> we love you, Broncos uh, super fan. We just, I, I do. Uh, we just but don't you, agree. You, can't, you cannot get into that game. Right. You have to evaluate each player on his own individual merits. Mm-hmm. Yep. Next one coming in from Joe Turner, 96. If Malik Reed continues to play at the high level he's playing, is it likely we've seen Von Miller's last game in Denver? P.S. RK, I tuned in the tailgate on Sunday and loved every second of it. We'll definitely be watching again. Ooh. It's a good question because also because you'll also get a Jerry Atakshu back for depth. I think the Von Miller thing, it's – it's not percolating as much, especially since uh, the interview we had with the fan and everything's been kind of quiet since then. Yeah. Uh, Vic Fangio doesn't expect to see him back, as he said on KOA a, little, a few days ago. I think no matter what Malik Reed does, there's a decent chance we've seen Von Miller's last game in Denver. I don't think it, I think it's nice that Malik Reed is playing well and looks like he's at least becoming the next Shaq Barrett, that undrafted edge rusher who can flourish at this level. But, uh, I, I think the Von Miller choice doesn't have a lot to do with it. Totally agree, Mace. I think if Von Miller is willing to come back for the sizable discount that the Broncos want, whatever that is, then he'll be back regardless. If he's not willing to come back at that discount, right. then I do think we've seen the last of him. And you know what? If, and, that, and, that's the th- and the thing is, if Von, I think they would want Von Miller to take a discount or restructure regardless of whether Malik Ree is playing well. But Malik Ree playing well means that John Elway can envision Shub Miller Reed working like the the quartet that he had with Vaughn, D. Ware, Shane Ray, Shaq Barrett. You always want to have a, an abundance of pass rushers. And the other thing that happens is if you get Vaughn Miller back, Malik Reed keeps playing well, and Chubb being Chubb, at least the Chubb of the last few games. Guess what? That's one position you don't have to target in the draft. Exactly. Exactly. All right, Mace, we got five minutes to do as many of these as we can. Lock the Casma says, I'm pissed at Melvin Gordon too, and I'm happy to make him public enemy number one, but people are way too upset right now. Lindsay is better, but there's something to be said about a durable running back that can carry a heavy load, catch passes, and is a good in pass protection, especially if they're your number two. Also, I think Drew Locke past couple of weeks, especially last week, has missed your guys' targets from stats and productions, i.e. throwing two touchdowns to one interception. I don't want to see another week of him missing marks. So here's the minimum I'm hoping to see against the Chargers or I'll be concerned. At least two passing touchdowns and two more touchdowns and interceptions. So if he only has two touchdowns, he needs zero picks. The Chargers defense has been horrid, giving up 29 points the last few games, including to the Jaguars. This is a softball. Easy to hit, Mark. Let's see it, Drew. Please. Finally, it looks like Hamler and his hamstring were fine Sunday and no sapbacks for injury again. Good news. Locked Casbah. I think you nailed it uh, in terms of what you want to see for Drew this weekend. I agree, but I would also counsel this. Uh, just as we're saying, give Drew Locke the rest of the season. Let's not bury him right now. 
if he has a good game, don't get too high. Right. Yes. Yes. I agree. I agree. Yep. T dubs. Hey guys, haven't commented in about a year, but I still listen every day. Well, good to know that you're out there. I appreciate hearing from you. Absolutely. I think we all just need to be a little patient. Remember that QBs have to be able to develop. If you're going to dump every QB that doesn't match up to Mahomes after eight games, you'll probably never find one. Let's chill Broncos country. Yeah. I don't think any of us are saying let's dump Drew now. It's just, he has 10 more games. Yeah. And I don't think anyone's, I don't think it should be Kenny match up to Patrick Mahomes, but you know, to go back to starts three through nine, say, okay, can you at least match it? Can you match up to say Baker Mayfield and starts three through nine? Sure. That's like, and, and that's, and that's the sort of thing that's, that's worth saying. Okay. It, Cause unfortunately right now, like we mentioned earlier, he's in the realm where there are more misses than hits. Yep. Yep. The Danimal afternoon, everyone, since I didn't get to actually watch the game until yesterday, I I'll pass on joining in the overreaction. I'll make a quick assessment though. Now that I've watched it, Locke needs to start scanning the entire field and stop cutting it in half with both his reads and checks at the offensive line. With interception, one interception was due to ignoring an uncovered crossing route on the first down marker, and he often failed to identify one-on-one matchups. He still has time to grow, but he needs to shore up these matchups to get his ball placement on point where there isn't pressure. That second interception was low and behind the receiver. There's so only so much a receiver can do while moving horizontally, and Drew has more talent than what he is showing us. No more snow game excuses. He's an NFL quarterback. No more ignoring open receivers. And for the love of God, please don't ignore your own mantra. If you can't go broke, if you're not taking a pro or if you're taking a profit, Drew has the tools. But if we need to see them used, so we have or we have to see them used, do we know we have something moving forward? And so, on an unrelated note, if anyone wants to go sneeze on Gordon, so he will be on the better end of the turnovers this week, I'll cover your plane ticket. So just go. Just saying. Sixteen and zero. Here we come. Thing is, Pat Shermer wants the quarterback to see the entire field and be able to use the entire field. He doesn't want the he doesn't really want to have a lot of it cut off. Yeah, Drew and Vic have both admitted in the past 48 hours that Drew needs to get to his third and fourth reads. In fact, mm-hmm. yesterday Vic even said he needs to get to his second read. So that tells you Vic thinks he's only hitting his first read. Yeah. And uh so the question is, why is that? Is there something is there something askew? Is there a, a, a is there a, is there a hitch in his development in terms right. of how he can read the field? So right. it's a concern. You can't spell Albert Okwebunam without some practice. That's true. You can't, although I've got it saved in my computer. Does Antonio, <laughs> me, me too. <laughs> yeah. Does Antonio Brown make everyone else as sick as he makes me? Well, I'll answer the question. Yes, I'm not happy with Tampa Bay signing him. That's, yeah. yeah, I agree. What's a skill you'd like to learn and why? Make this some, about something that isn't a way to make money. If I had time, you know, remember the scene in Groundhog Day where when Phil Connors, played by Bill Murray, realized, he starts, when he starts to figure out how, how, what he can do with having all the time in the world. And he times the arrival, uh, he, he times the guys working on the, uh, on the, well, on the Loomis Fargo truck to where he can grab a bag of cash. And then he starts paying $1,000 to the piano instructor every day. And he learns how to be a, a virtuoso pianist. <laughs> what you do with, 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 with an infinite amount of time. That's the sort of thing I would do. If I, ha- if I had time to kill, I would 
learn to play the piano. And actually, it's funny because we've got like an electric piano here at the house and my daughter likes to play it. And I can play a few tunes. I mean, I can play like, uh, I, can, I can play the old Washington football team fight song. Um, a few other things, but not much. I'd like to learn. <laughs> I like that one. Mine is easy. I learn, I'd like to learn how to fly, how to become a pilot and not to make money, just, just to be able to do that. I think that would be so freaking cool. Yeah. If I had the money, that's another one as well, because yeah. I'd like to learn to fly and then fly my own plane. Yeah, man, that would be so cool. Go where I want to go. Do where yes. I want to do what yes. you want to do. He chimes in again and says, remember that time we just let a number three cornerback walk? Merry Christmas, Vance Joseph. Although it is, uh, it is worth noting that nobody signed him for their active roster. So, I mean, I know we think really highly of Devontae Bosby, but obviously the league uh, uh, didn't – no one in the league saw fit to put him on their 53 either. Yep, and I believe last one here, Mace, coming from the other Ryan. My boys, I decided to dig more into how the Broncos have fared against the Kansas City Chiefs since Andy Reid became their head coach in 2013. Obviously, the Chiefs had greater stability at head coach with their offensive system, at quarterback, and even a few defensive coordinators with the Broncos have had since Kansas City hired Reid. One of the biggest trends to me as to why the Broncos have struggled to defeat the Chiefs in the past 10 matchups is the turnover margin. In those 10 losses, the Broncos have never been on the plus side of turnovers. The best that the Broncos have done in that regard was last December at Arrowhead when they both, when they both, when both they and the Chiefs had one turnover apiece. The Broncos have had minus five and two. The Broncos have had a game of minus five and two games of minus three, including on Sunday, and turnover margin against the Chiefs in their past 10 matchups. The Broncos have also surrendered a safety, four defensive touchdowns, and a special teams touchdown in their last 10 games against the Chiefs. The Chiefs are difficult enough to defend, but when a team gives them turnovers, short fields, defensive touchdowns, and or special teams touchdowns without returning the favor, it will be tough, if not impossible, sledding. This is obviously a glaring issue that needs to be corrected if the Broncos want to have an even puncher's chance against the Chiefs in future outings. And to finally put an end to this depressing losing streak that Denver is currently enduring to Kansas City. Thank you for all the great individual and collective content that you produce for the Orange and Blue. DNV Army, salute. Well put, and definitely worth bringing out that. And as we know, when you go down to statistics during a game, the, the most predictive one is turnover margin. Yep, yep, absolutely. And the most predictive thing to get beautifully clean teeth is heading over to Green Mountain Dental Group in Lakewood. They're the best damn family-owned dentists in the metro area and extreme Colorado sports fans just like all of us. And if having a family mentality take care of your teeth and also being able to talk sports isn't enough, well, they're giving you something else too. If you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam, you'll receive a free Sonicare toothbrush from them. That's right. You just have to take care of your teeth for Green Mountain Dental to hand over a free Sonicare toothbrush. Mace mentioned how perfect they are. I have one myself, and it is fantastic. And if you can get one for free, well, do that. So make sure to schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam, a Green Mountain Dental Group, to get your free Sonicare toothbrush. Well, Mace... That'll do it for us today. Man, I thought this was just a fantastic podcast. I love the conversations that we had, Mace, in the first segment. And, of course, love hearing from our loyal listeners and commenters as as they bring so many good points to this community. And we are so thankful for all of you that tune in with us every single day. We'll be back with you tomorrow. We will be going live with a very interesting segment to start. So make sure to check us out on Facebook, Periscope, Twitter, anywhere that we go live. We'll be on there right around 9.30 a.m. Denver time tomorrow. But for today, 
that'll do it, Mace. Thank you so much for riding with me. Thank you guys so much for riding with me. Have a terrific Tuesday.